Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Strictly Anonymous Podcast. Conversations with online strangers. We place ads online. Craigslist is definitely the gift that keeps on giving. Real people respond. You go to Singapore or Thailand. You can't not do it. The temptation is just too much. Real problems. Does your friend know that you're banging her? No, he has no idea. And anything goes. Motto of the show, let your Greek flag fly. Probably the only good advice I'll ever give you is to rehide your whips and chains. Here are your hosts, Kathy Kay and Tommy. Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast with Kathy. If you want to follow the Strictly Anonymous podcast on Twitter, follow the show at Strictly Anonymous or follow me at Cartoon Therapy. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to my show, subscribe and if you can, write a review. I really love reviews and they help the show. So write a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to my podcast. If you want to be on the show, uh, send me an email at Strictly Anonymous Podcast at gmail.com. This is a call and advice show where I give people my unprofessional advice. But a lot of times I'm not really even giving advice. I'm just listening to people sort of reveal their Uh, interesting lives or their secret lives. So if you have a secret life, an interesting life, if you have a problem or you just want to be on my show, just send me an email at strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com and I'll have you on. Today I have on a guy named Rob and I found him on Craigslist. And I have to say his email on Craigslist, what he was looking for, was uh, pretty hardcore. He's into cuckolding and couples and girls with piercings and tattoos and he's bisexual and all that good stuff. And um, we get into all that, but what we mostly discuss on this podcast, it turns out is just like polyamory because he's into polyamorous, uh, he's polyamorous, right? That's the right terminology. <laughs> um, so we talk a lot about that and that's, you know, instead of like, I tried to get out some like hot sex stories, but we talk, like I said, more in detail about the polyamory thing because that's like a new sort of thing that people are doing. I think it's kind of new. And I think it's always interesting to hear from people that are actually doing it to see how it works, you know, compared to the regular relationship that most people have been doing for the past, you know, how many years? I don't know, thousands. <laughs> you know, the regular monogamous relationship. Uh, we all know about that relationship, but I think that these new relationships like polyamory and I don't know, there's other kinds. People have said the words, but this one, I think I've had one other polyamorous couple on. This guy, though, has had long-term polyamorous relationships and he's currently in one so we get the history and all that stuff as well as like uh, get into you know how he got involved in all the sexual stuff that he dabbles in which is you know like I said a lot of stuff and it's pretty hardcore so uh his name is Rob and I'll be right back on with Rob do you have a story lifestyle or situation you can't talk about to anyone to anyone or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show well strictly anonymous wants to hear from you send us an email strictly anonymous podcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name and remember everything is strictly anonymous strictly anonymous hey rob welcome to strictly anonymous podcast you're on kathy how are you Hello. Hello. Yeah, I said, "Hey, welcome to Strictly Anonymous Podcast." 
You're on with Kathy. How Hello. are you? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm, oh. How are you? I'm good. So, Rob, you, uh, I found you on Craigslist, and do you have the, you're into the whole so cuck, you're into the whole cuckolding thing, and you're into a lot of other things as well. But what I found, I mean, I just reread your ad really quickly. Um, and what I find really kind of uh, kind of funny is that in you, you're talking about like how you love girls like with piercings, a lot of tattoos. You're bisexual, like all the stuff that you're really into. And then you're like, when you email me back, put your favorite band in in the subject line. <laughs> what does that have yeah, to that, do with that, it? <laughs> uh, so back in the day, uh, it's a little less ridiculous now. Uh-huh. Back in the day when Craigslist was a little bit more of a freak show. I shouldn't say that's mean, but yeah, uh, it just actually mostly comes from the old spam bots. And oh, generally okay. speaking, like if it just has a return line or something that doesn't have like a personal like response line, it used to be pretty common that it would just be like ad bots or cam bots or whatever. Oh, okay. Because I'm thinking like, and, you know, I'm just thinking like that has something to do with like your fetish as well. And I'm just like, that's kind of weird, but interesting that it's like the band, you know. But oh, okay. So it's like, so that's, you know, it's like a human being is is like actually emailing you and you're going to be responding to them. It, it sometimes cuts down on the, the wasted time. The bullshit, right? To, yeah. I mean, nowadays, most of them still have like pretty specific, like non-generic, like font or like verbiage that uh-huh. it's usually pretty pretty simple to pick out when someone is not a human being but right but wait so know. so let but, me just get to the to the good stuff right so obviously you've been <laughs> how old are you by the way i'm 35 you're 35 so you've been doing this whole craigslist thing like are you married single like what's your sort of relationship status uh i am uh polyamorous so i have one primary partner and then I have one uh, recurring secondary partner. Uh, uh-huh. That's my current situation. So, uh, and they all know. I'm assuming they like like because you're polyamorous, right? Like the girl that you're dating, and they're women, right? I mean, you are bi, but when I think of bi, I think that that just means you kind of like hook up with guys sexually, but you're romantically involved with women, right? Well, I'm more what I would consider hetero flexible. Usually, my situation is. And I've been roasted by this, by locals in, I'm, I'm located in Denver. Uh-huh. I don't know if you tell people that, but um, I've been roasted by guys who respond to my ads because for some silly reason, uh, somewhat closeted men find it necessary to respond to my ads a lot. Uh-huh. So, um, and my thing has always been, I, I'm not generally... So I, I've been around for a while as a 35 year old man, and that makes me, you know, a teenager in the mid 90s. Uh-huh. And so I, I was pretty wild there for a while. I tried a lot of stuff, you know, whatever. And because of it, I did experiment a lot in my younger years. I'm not really interested in men, but I there are situations where having a man involved in the sexual scenario mm-hmm. is like fun or interesting. So I usually consider myself more hetero flexible. I don't ever play with just men. Mm-hmm. Um, I do play with men with their girlfriends or, uh, you know, uh, threesomes and foursomes, 
me and my primary partner do swing. So we've had group scenarios and things like that. But as she always says, there, uh, there has to be a vagina involved of some sort. And I guess that's not even fair because I have uh, had rom- uh, sexual relationships with male to female transgendered people and things of that nature as well. So, uh, but a female identified person generally pretty much has to be involved in this scenario. Right. I mean, you just said so much stuff that you've done. It's like, I wouldn't even, I don't even know where to start. You you have like the language and the uh, the lifestyle of like a millennial, right? Because I always talk about how like the younger generation are so much more open-minded to all these kind of open relationships as opposed to the ones, I mean, I'm like in my 40s. So like I grew up in a time where nobody like had open relationships. Polyamory wasn't even a word that anyone really, that even existed, you know? But I find that the younger people are totally open to trying new things, right? Because the whole monogamy regular relationship thing probably you know in their eyes doesn't seem to be working out I mean to me it never seemed like it made any sense either you know but um so when did you start like when when you were younger right like you said you experienced like a lot of different things like when did you start like acting out sexually and doing all this stuff uh I lost my virginity on my 14th birthday Mm -hmm. to a woman I'm assuming right (laughs) uh two different lesbians uh, lesbians to, at the once two girls at once uh yes how did yes. that happen um okay so i was at a party i was a really really awkward young man mm-hmm. um i uh so a lot of my early um sexual identity kind of coincides with um my um i'm a recovering drug addict and so a lot of my early sexual escapades kind of run tandem with my early developing drug addiction. Mm-hmm. And so that actually is the first night that I ever got high. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at a party, right? Um, I was about to start my freshman year of high school. I had a friend of mine who invited me to this party um, that we got invited to by his older sister. And some of the, I was just this really nerdy kid and super awkward. But by that point I was, so invested in this idea of becoming like a cool kid and what I had in my mind for that, I just was willing to kind of jump out and do whatever it took. So Mm -hmm. what ended up happening was, um, I got fed some drugs. And when you say Uh, drugs, like high on weed or crack Um, or cocaine, like what were you high on that at 14? That night was, was cocaine. Okay. That was kind of my drug of choice for Mm -hmm. a long time. That ecstasy. Um, again, I was a teenager in the late nineties, so the kind of raver scene was kind of my thing for a little while, Uh but, um, so I, I got, so I was given some cocaine. I got pretty high. I passed out for a little bit, which was after throwing up on this person's (laughs) floor because I didn't know etiquette back then. All right. Um, and so, uh, I kind of blacked out for a little bit and then the last, one of the earliest distinct memories I have from that night is kind of coming to in one of the bedrooms upstairs and I have one of the girls on top of me who I I went to school with these two girls they were I got to know them later on in high school because they were in drama and I was a drama student as well and um so we I kind of like came to 
and one of them was on top of me, and the other one was next to her in bed, and then they switched positions. And so she was on top of you, like, was, screwing you, like, having sex with you? Yeah, she was riding me. Uh-huh. Uh, the other one was kind of, they, they kind of subbed in a little bit, but um, they were both lesbian identified. I later found out, you know, through the years getting to know them, uh, they were kind of, every once in a while, they, they'd, you know, sub in a guy or whatever. But, um, and I think actually one of them actually primarily identifies as a straight woman now. I don't uh-huh. stay in touch with a lot of people from high school. Were they but, were they anyway. fourteen too though, or were they older than you? No, they were both uh, uh, sixteen, seventeen. I think. Okay. They were a couple years ahead of me in school. So. Okay. Yeah. So you screw, so, you fucked them both, and that's how you lost your virginity. That is how I lost my virginity. But and and what about guys? For, like, when did you realize that you were like so open sexually and into all this kind of stuff? Right, because. You said you were sort of like awkward and maybe nerdy. I don't really know. But like, did you always sort of know, like, while you were like jerking off and stuff that you were like really open minded sexually? Like, were you into men fantasizing about them and all this other kind of stuff that you got into? Or did the drugs sort of make that happen? uh, A little bit of both. Okay. Um, I was a very, I still, as you may, may not be terribly surprised, a pretty sizable sex drive mm-hmm. i always have um and so some of it was fueled by the idea that i you know generally speaking the, the you know gay men can are generally more interested in sex on a more regular basis and so uh it just mostly came from the idea that i was i i cheated on pretty much any girlfriend i had in high school because I was always on to the next, you know, the next girl. And, you know, it kind of just came out of the, the, that young experimentation. I just, um, and it was definitely it, like my inhibitions to reach out and try new things definitely probably were lessened by the fact that I was, you know, Hi, but uh, it was like it was drugs. you had those sort of thoughts in your mind and you wanted to do all that stuff. The drugs just sort of helped you out and gave you that push that you needed. But it wasn't like it made you it do things that you weren't into. Yeah. And, you know, I tried stuff and there were things that I tried that I immediately was like, okay, I don't like this. Like what kind and of stuff? most of my stuff. Well, just like generally what I would be referring to in that situation is one-on-one play with men mm-hmm. i'm just it's, it's not guess, what you're it's into fine uh-huh but i i i there are things about women that that are kind of irreplaceable for me i'm i'm i don't know i i don't like to sound like an asshole and i definitely don't like to sex shame anyone and i definitely don't like to come off bigoted or especially as someone who fetishizes like sexual activity in just the sense that everybody has the right to be respected by their partners. And so my big thing is just for whatever reason, um, I'm just not completely sexually like attracted to men. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, that's not a, you're not insulting guys by saying that at all. And it's obvious that you're super open-minded and non-judgmental. Yeah, but that's ridiculous. If somebody accuses you of that, you're pretty, you're very open-minded. You have a polyamorous relationship. You have, you know, all the stuff that you've done, like you're obviously like you don't sort of live in a box anywhere. (laughs) So, I mean, 
I don't like to get into oh, that no, whole continue, stuff because sorry. it's like ridiculous. Like I like to talk more about your personal stories. It's like I said, it's very obvious that, you know, you're not sort of bigoted or any of those things that you just said that you are. You're like I said, you're super yeah, okay. reminded. And it's just like to me, it's more interesting to hear your story of how that progressed in your life, you know. Um, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so you were cheating on all of your girlfriends, right? And sort of trying to have like regular relationships, right? When did it dawn on you that you could do this whole polyamory thing? Okay, that's a that's a little complicated question, but uh, I um, so uh, uh, kind of the flashback. So, um, two thousand nine, I got married. Mm-hmm. Uh, the woman that I was married, we had a very rough relationship um i was still um actively using we had been together by that point for almost five years we uh when we got married i was uh physically abusive in certain respects i was um whenever we we broke we would like take breaks or uh, we had taken like a couple breaks here and there earlier in the first couple of years in our relationship I had slept with a lot of other women in those breaks, and then I would conveniently not tell her about that. Uh-huh. Anyways, and so um, right about a couple months after we got mar- married, I got a DUI. Um, I lost my license, um, and that's when I started pursuing um, a sober lifestyle. And shortly thereafter, we we got divorced. Around a year after I first uh, sobered up. I met a girl who was also, um, early in sobriety and she was like, kind of like my, like my lifestyle ideal. She was a smart ginger, which I've been, a, you know, whatever. Anyways. So you're into gingers, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I've been accused of fetishizing them too, which I try not to. <laughs> uh-huh, okay. Anyways. And so, um, we eventually started seeing each other and because part of the kicker initially was she was very openly non-monogamous. She had a primary partner that she had been seeing for about three years, um, who at that time was going to school in San Francisco. So she didn't see him much. And then she was seeing a couple other guys. And in the early point when we first started hanging out with each other, um, she broke up with all of her satellite partners because she was interested in me, which I didn't know because I'm kind of dense and, I thought she was way out of my league, et cetera. And so um, we dated, we ended up dating, um, which uh, caused a girl I had been seeing at that time kind of casually um, to tell me that we couldn't see each other. So I, I was convinced that I was going to try and be monogamous with this non-monogamous woman. <laughs> right. And uh, But she wanted that, you to be monogamous? Gonna, I thought I did. I, I no, no, no. She, I, but I'm su- I'm surprised. Like, I, I, like, did she want you to be monogamous? Good news. Strictly Anonymous Podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast.com at gmail.com or go to my website strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show if you have a short confession that you want to get off your back call my confessions hotline 347-420-3579 that's 
420-3579. You could call that number 24-7. I change all the voices on the confessions too, so you remain anonymous. The number, the website, and the email address will all be in the description. No, no, she did. She didn't. But well, you she, wanted to be when I was. She, it doesn't make sense. She, she okay. To be fair, yeah. as it came out um, later, she did kind of want me to be mon- oh, monogamous, okay. okay, and just be monogamous to her. But um, that's not how it works because um, I was like, well, if she, she's because I, I, my thought process was, I'm just going to prove to her that I'm the only person she needs, you know, because I'm weird. And that when that didn't happen, I started seeing some of my old friends with benefits that I had been seeing over that last year. And when that came out, when later when her and I split, she admitted that she was actually very hurt that I would see anyone else, which she had also admitted was not fair. Oh, my God. I can't even. Yeah, I can't even. It's so complicated. She's fucking other people, but she doesn't really want you and you not fucking anybody else because you're being monogamous to her. But then you're like, you know, it's it's a little complicated, which I get why you said before was complicated. But is she the person that so you guys broke up, right? She's not. So is that was that sort of your first like foray into like trying and not really succeeding in an open relationship? Yes. And so we only were together for about six months. Okay. Um, one of, but one of my friends with benefits that I had been seeing previous to her and then ended up seeing during the time we were together is in a longstanding, she's been married for 10 years now and they've been, uh, open for eight of those years. And so I had met her and she had, her and her husband, we're really honest with each other. They've always really like talked and communicated. And so her, her relationship kind of became like my, what I looked at as like a healthy, like coming out of that relationship with the non-monogamous girl, I didn't hate open relationships. I never, I just didn't think that it was working for a workable. Right. Um, Right. Because it just turned into such a mess. But I didn't. Yeah. I got lucky that I had this other idea, uh, this other notable working relationship to like, and so a couple months after me and the non-monogamous ginger split, I started seeing that partner that told me she couldn't see me anymore. And she and I actually started dating um, about six months later. And we very early on, we were monogamous at first, but very early into our dating relationship, the conversation had come up when her and I first, uh, you know, about a year and a half before that started kind of just messing around. She had been cheating on a boyfriend who then she broke up with because she felt she wasn't in love with him. Hence why she was sleeping with me. And so, Oh my God, there's just so much cheating going on and all of these people is like a good thing. You're all going to just plan on being open minded. (laughs) Well, and so she knew she was bad at monogamy. Right. That was my entire, uh, life realization. Mm -hmm. And so her and I had the conversation of what we could maybe consider opening our relationship up. Right. Which first started as, as just, uh, swinging, um, 
And then eventually, as it just became very hard for us to ever meet couples that liked both of us, um, we just opened our relationship and started seeing partners outside of that. Uh huh. And so she, um, so her and I, uh, dated for four and a half years. We actually just split in July. Um, and we had been open, uh, with the definitional openness of we were the only two that dated, uh, all of our other satellite partners. We generally just multiple times. Uh Well, but it wasn't. And so that was always like, I always, we would always have the, the disagreement. She considered us open. I considered us kind of poly because none of our partners were one-time flings, or at least it was never like a, this is just a NSA kind of situation. It was always, we both had the same relationship ideal of we like having partners we can trust and get to know and be friendly with. And like someone that if I see you out on the street, I can go and say hi to you instead of, act like we've never met Mm -hmm. and so so which kind of borders more on poly but she hates the term poly she and her boyfriend now still consider themselves open i don't judge how that looks for them but um so yeah for four and a half year you know four of the four and a half years that we were together we were open um and that's when you started like playing and, around with couples and guys. When did you first get get it on with a guy? Like when did that happen in your life? Uh I my first male contact was probably around 16, 17. And was that just like a drunken thing or a high thing and like how did that happen and was it just a one-on-one? Yeah. Yeah, the first time was one-on-one. Um it was I'm trying to even think uh, and was it like full it was, on, like someone fucked someone in the ass, or was it just like, like what actually happened during that first experience? Um, there was uh, the first one. He was uh, relatively inexperienced, but he was a gay identified man, and uh, he uh, we swapped oral. And then I tried to top him, but he was not uh, comfortable with that. And so that was pretty much the, uh, it was manual and oral stimulation. Where do you meet him? Like, how did that happen that you just like all of a sudden for the first time were starting to like fool around with a guy? Um, I met him on a uh, chat room on AOL, I think. So you were like actively looking for it at that point. Um, I was just actively sexually aware mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, uh, gay men that were around my age found me attractive. And when you can't seem to pick up chicks very often and it, it became like a thing of like, okay, convenient. You know, <laughs> I was open enough to it and, right. you know, get sexually frustrated enough. I, I'd be like, okay, let's try. You know, and and generally every time it was just like, okay, this isn't really my thing. And so I'd, I wouldn't do it hardly ever, but every once in a while it would come up and it'd be like, okay, I'll try it again. And generally same results, but, you know, I'm hard-headed. Slash, I try, you know, and just, I guess I just, I don't know. 
I, I guess I'm open-minded in that sense. Yeah, that's know. fine. That's cool. So what the second time, like, was it the same thing? You met somebody in a chat room? Uh, usually it was through the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I would meet guys. Not always. Uh, there were a couple like weird hookups. Uh, there's, there was a, um, gay club in Denver called tracks 2000. Uh, shout out to tracks 2000. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I, they used to have a 16 and up night on Thursday nights. And, um, a lot of, as you may not be surprised, a lot of the kids that I was friends with in theater or in high school were at least gay or bi identified. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, that was the dance club that we all went to, or at least my group of friends generally went to. Right. Um, so you would meet guys and, there. Like you would go out and then you'd meet a guy. Maybe if you're getting drunk and you haven't picked up anybody else, you like wind up fooling around with a guy. Because like oh, you said, you were kind of like open to it because just nothing else was around. Uh, yes and no. I feel mm-hmm. like that makes it sound like it was never intentional. Right. It was just, you know, sometimes it, the, the meat, you know, given the right set of circumstances, the heat of the moment, the, you know, whatever it is. But in those moments, it would be like, okay, this sounds like a idea, mm-hmm. you know, blow job in the, the bathroom sounds <laughs> ideal for right. some reason. Right. But you, because I, the only reason why I asked that is because you said, you know, very early on that, like you really realized from like, pr- like early experiences that you weren't interested in just like guy on guy action. Like when it was you and a guy, it just wasn't something that you were into. So I just assumed that maybe that wasn't ever really your first choice because somewhere along the line, you said you weren't into that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, I always knew that I liked women. Mm-hmm. Like that was never like a, I know uh, like, it was never enough. A, baby is fair to say. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, and to, like I had always I I had been told by kids I went to school with since I was twelve years old I was gay, which is a <laughs> weird thing to do. But um, I why you just seem gay? Loved, I'm slightly I don't know. You know I look back at it and I don't. Other than being really awkward, I never like I never I was just not cool. So I think that was just you know the uh, the insult to throw at. Well, you let know, me ask you. Right. Socially awkward in those. Yeah, days. totally. But well, let me ask you this because you you're like you're very open about just saying your name, where you live, and everything. So I'm assuming that this like stuff that you do is not sort of like a secret life, and maybe and I, I'm assuming that everybody in your life kind of knows about all this stuff. Am I correct? Uh, I'm pretty oh, okay. Yeah, more or less. Um, I'm pretty open. Uh, so as it's been pointed out. Uh, <laughs> I um I do post an ad on Craigslist that has not my face, but I have semi super identifiable tattoos that are visible in that picture. So um, for the most part, uh, people kind of know me. I've been I uh, recognized at my old job. Um, I worked. Uh, uh, I you mean from Craigslist? Somebody came up and said, "Hey, I saw your ad on Craigslist." <laughs> yep. Oh my god, yeah. was it a guy or it must have been a guy, right? Because it's like, uh, no, it was a woman. Really? Uh, the couple. So uh-huh. here's the th- so 
my the ex that my most recent ex that we split in in uh july she is a burlesque performer and so um i would go to shows with her and it was usually women who were in the audience and stuff since i would be without a shirt on and then that would usually be when I'd have a woman come up to me and be like, I've seen your, you on Craigslist. And I'm like, okay. Oh, right, right. Because you're, you're in the prom- burlesque club and people are drinking and it's like, oh, so it's not like you're like in an office and everyone's dressed up in a suit and someone comes over to you. That's what I thought when you said it was at work. It was like that scenario. Yeah. But so when did you start doing I- couples? Was it like, I'm trying to get to like your stories a little bit more, but I mean, cause there's so yeah. much here and there's so much history, like, <laughs> you know, cause you have the, the drug thing and you got sober and we talked about that. And then you got into this whole polyamory thing, but like you definitely like, and now you're dating two people. Plus you post ads on Craigslist where you're looking for couples, right? Cause you're very into the whole couple thing. When was the first experience you had with a couple? I was 19 years old. Uh huh. Um, I had posted an ad. I don't think that was where the Craigslist is yet, but I remember con- uh, getting into contact with this woman. Maybe it was Craigslist. I don't think so. That seems a little old for Craigslist. Um, but anyways, I got into contact with this woman who husband liked to watch her have sex. And uh-huh. so I was a 19 and they were older. They were in their like late thirties, uh, so not older, older, but older than me. Yeah, and, and you were nineteen. They were, mm-hmm. And they were married, and she liked younger dudes, and he, you know, that that was kind of the soft intro. I had sex with her in front of him. He liked to watch. That was that was the extent of it. Right. I had sex with her like two separate times, and then they, they kind of just faded off and that was it and um when i lived in phoenix was my first hard intro to a cuckolding couple um she was a little she was a little bit younger she was what does the whole cuckolding thing mean what's the real definition because isn't it like just you're fucking somebody else's wife or they're watching like is it wouldn't any of like such wouldn't that first situation be cuckolding or no like what's the what's the difference you could suggest that that first one was a cuckolding situation um generally what i've always and i'm not hip on my dif- definition so it could but what i've always understood the cuckolding situation the main ingredient of it is there's some sort of humiliation aspect of it. Oh, okay. So the first one, there was nothing like really. to watch. Right, right, right. So, so what happened like with this? Yeah, yeah, totally. So what, so cuckolding, there's some sort of, like, so what happened with your second one? Because you said that was a straight up cuckolding experience. She uh, liked to videotape us having sex and she would always be like, oh, you're so much better than my, my husband. Oh, uh, right. There's some kind of shame. And the guy gets off on that, right? In theory, yes. Mm-hmm. I've, I've met, you know, you know, you hear about situations, and I've met a couple couples that she does it, and she kind of just uses it as, like, ammo later on because uh, she, she's not, you know, like, usually those ones, it's more like there's abuse usually in the situation. That at least that I've experienced, but uh, yeah, for the most part, it's 
that's what he likes. And so she, that's what she does in some former aspect. And, you know, sometimes he has to be there. Well, but what happened? I know I get the definition, but stay on focus with like your actual personal experience. So you have this girl and she was like interested. You guys would fuck and she would tape it and she'd say like really rude things about her husband and then they would go and watch it. Uh, I would assume that they would watch it, yeah. Right. But she would fuck you behind... Her Her husband wasn't there. He was not there. Right. Okay, and how many times did you see that girl? Uh, only like two or three times. Right, okay. And so that... And then you got into the whole cuckolding thing because I know that you must be into it because you have this ad that that's like specifically what you're looking for. Like, so that kind of scenario definitely turns you on? Uh... There are aspects of it that I like, yeah. I'm pretty aware of um, certain roles that I fill, I guess, would be a good way to put it. So That I'm, turn you on, right? Like, I mean, maybe you like to be the other guy in the relationship. Like, what is it about that experience that is, like, the turn-on for you? Is it about sort of degrading the other guy? Is it about fucking the guy's wife? I know that that's... Listen, I have... I've been doing my podcast for three years. I've had every kind of topic on it. And the ones where... You know, the guy's wife is fucking somebody else's like or the girl, the guy's girlfriend is fucking another guy. Like those are like the most downloaded episodes because so obviously so many people are into that. OK, <laughs> um, so like what aspect of the whole cuckling thing is it that that really like turns you on? Because I see um, it a lot. Trust me. It's probably and this is always why it's the one like ta- I won't say taboo, but the weird thing for me. Because I try not to live in my, especially nowadays, in as much of my um, not as healthy mental behavior. But I, this one kind of borders a little bit on it, which is the I was always I've always identified with the desire to be better than everyone else, while at the same time feeling like I'm the most worthless person ever. And so it's yeah, I have a lot I've battled with really poor self-esteem and depression most of my life mm-hmm. um and so it came about what i realized was like i'm good at what i do when it comes to sex for the most part i try not to and that makes you feel like no that, but, but that makes you feel I good feel, about yourself and especially coming from a background when i was always told you know all growing up when i was younger you're gay right you women don't like you, blah, blah, blah. And it did kind of come out of that. Um, when I was in high school, I was, and post high school, the dudes who were always super shitty to me, I, there were a couple of dudes that I went to high school with that were fucking assholes. And guess who slept with their girlfriends? Right. And, oh, so when you were doing all that cheating, <laughs> cause I was, I was the, you know, I, I, I'm the, the edgy guy, I guess, would be as it would be referred. Yeah, to yeah, or the bad like, boy. So, so the especially nowadays, like it's not as big of a deal now since everybody in this town's got is covered with tattoos and whatnot. But uh, I, I've been accused of being stylish. I've been told I'm relatively physically attractive. Um, what would I, you say you're on a scale of one to ten? I always ask every one of my guests. I don't like that question. So oh, I'm just gonna, answer it. Um, you know, a one I'll, through I'll ten. Say, uh, 
I'll say a six. A six? A six. You just said you were attractive and you barely fit a six. I'm, I, yeah. I, I work, okay, so I work in the beauty industry. So mm-hmm. like, what do you, I'm around okay. really attractive people all day. I help make people look good, okay. especially men. So, okay. Um, but my experience was, you know, I have an above average size penis and I like to have sex. Mm-hmm. I'm good at what I do. And so you take into that and then the ego trip that it brings, that's just kind of how it developed. Right, right. Totally. Because so, it made you feel it was the one area of your life that you could sort of prove to yourself. And since you had low self-esteem, it's like acting out sexually would sort of feed into that. I get it. It's like the idea. And it, at one point it developed in my brain. It's this idea that, you know, women will leave any guy who is, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make, how good you are to them, you know, how, you know, interesting you are. The dude who always wins in the end is the dude who they want to fuck. And that's kind of how it's, and I'm sorry if I'm using terrible language on your podcast, but are you kidding um, me? That's not, don't worry about it. Okay. I'm very positive. (laughs) Um, I love cursing. And and so that's kind of where it came out of. And so like for a lot, for a while, especially after I, I sobered up, I tried to get away from that. And um, when I first, uh, started seeing women when I was seeing the non-monogamous girl that kind of came back up again. Cause that was my ability to take back control because she liked me, but her primary partner, even though he was way far away, even though I was good to her, I watched her, you know, I, I, I filled kind of the fathering role. She had a seven year old daughter at the time. Uh-huh. Um, and we had a lot in common we had a lot of fun. But this dude was like her sex ideal. And so whenever he was in town, it was, you know, I wasn't around and everything. And no matter what, like, I couldn't do that. And so to be able to do that for somebody else felt powerful. And so that's kind of where it came out of. So Right. And that just sort of made you think even more that the woman stays with the guy who fucks her really well. Exactly. Right. So that so you've honed your abilities because you think if as a man that's like where all of your self-worth comes from. So now the girl that you're seeing now and your two relationship people like do they get it on with each other too? Like how does the whole relationship work? Cuz I'm assuming it's successful, right? Because you've had the unsuccessful polyamorous relationship that first one, but this one I'm assuming is successful. You're still sober? Yes. Okay. So you're totally sober and like you're in this relationship with one girl, you have another girl on the side and then you're on Craigslist looking for couples and cuckolding experiences. Um, Now, do the two girls that you're interested in or that you kind of date, do they get it on with each other too? Like how does the whole relationship work? Uh, No. Um, So a little backstory. My current primary partner I was seeing before my former relationship ended. She was married at the time, so we didn't really plan on becoming primary partners. Um, just they were at the tail end of their relationship, and so was me and mine. But obviously, wasn't as functionally aware of that. Um, so both of those relationships ended, and we kind of ended up uh, seeing each other as primary relationship material, I guess. So she's my girlfriend. Um, we are both poly. Uh, 
she is very bisexual, so she likes women a lot. Um, she right now is not currently seeing anyone else, but she dates sometimes. Um, the only other people that she slept with, though, since her and I have been seeing each other, has been women. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She. Uh, and so, and we have kind of a DS based relationship too. A so, what? Uh, a DS Dom sub. Oh, okay. Relationship. And what goes down um, there? Yeah. So, um, the other girl that I'm seeing, uh, my girlfriend and her are friends on Facebook. And so they, they kind of know each other a little bit, but they're not friends. No, okay, so her. she's never been with your girlfriend. She, your girlfriend's fine no. with you being with her, even though they kind of know each other. It's not like her friend, right? Because you can't fuck her friends. But she's cool. Your girlfriend, I'm assuming, is cool with you, like hooking up with couples and doing all that kind of stuff, right? You see people outside of each other. Yeah, we generally, uh, we have pretty much have an autonomy. Um, she... I, my general thing is I don't, I don't clear things with her in the sense of like, she'll ask. She seems to have like this sixth sense of, cause I, 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 we don't live together, but I stay at her place a lot. And generally speaking, if she asks me if I'm coming over and I say no, her follow-up question is, do you have a date? Um, which I'm always honest with her if I do. Uh-huh. Uh, but generally speaking, she doesn't ask too much beyond that. We have a few s- simple guidelines of behavior to follow, but that's usually for personal safety. Uh-huh. Um, beyond that, we trust each other and kind of, you know, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't, she is welcome to ask any question. I will be honest with any question. But I don't generally go out of my way to tell her the gory details because then sometimes that can be a little uncomfortable. So. And do you find, because it's polyamory, does that mean that you can have, like, like that you're in love with both of those girls? Like, it's not just sexual, right? Like, there's, like, real feelings with both relationships, right? Yes. I respect both of my partners a lot. Um, both of them I'm very, I enjoy spending time with. It's kind of nice because so me and my girlfriend both work in the same industry um we have a lot in common career-wise um we both perform so we both get that aspect and so we have a very uh conducive relationship um me and my other partner we um are both vegan Mm -hmm. uh and we both uh are kind of come from similar uh, backgrounds in other senses. So we, uh, and we, we like the same music. We kind of do. So we like, we do different things that me and my girlfriend do. Right. So she compliments you in ways where your other girlfriend doesn't. So it's kind of like you have like everything that you want, but because you can't find that in one person, you know, you have this other person and then it's like more satisfying, which I totally, if you think logically, like kind of makes sense, right? Because 
they always say like, oh, if you're looking for somebody like you're never going to find anybody like perfect. Right. And there's in any relationship, there's always going to be stuff that's maybe lacking. Right. But if you can go and have another relationship with somebody else and sort of pick up the slack of what you don't have in that relationship, that becomes like the perfect scenario. Right. As long as everybody's cool with it and you sort of have that going on. Sound, it's not so bad. Pretty great. Right? Not that bad. No. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, I don't like overreaching, but that's generally what I've always accepted the basis for polyamory to be. That the acceptance that not any one person can fulfill all of your desires. Right. And that a relationship based on honesty, integrity, and respect allows an opening of that relationship to other relationships that then can fulfill other parts of your life that you, and that you know everybody's got different views on polyamory in the sense of like what works like i know some people that don't believe in having a primary partner that all of your partners are equal and that's all good for them and i think that whatever works best for a person as long as you're maintaining that honesty and integrity and respect uh-huh. that's the only key part right it, and there, so there's no sort of fear of like abandonment it's very different than cheating right because it's like that girl knows even though you're going out with other people and you're uh, able to go and sort of even fall in love with other women she knows that you're still gonna date her it's not like you would ever leave her for somebody else because you can be with somebody else right i mean could there could you ever replace her because or would it be mainly because it wasn't working out between you and her not because you sort of met somebody else uh, no. Yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, obviously we're all human. We're all, we all have things come up and, you know, it's not to say that poly relationships, even healthy ones don't sometimes have bouts of jealousy and, you know, feeling of feelings of neglect. I think, you know, um, me and my primary partner have been working through some of those because with the, you know, her most recent partner cheating on her, she is a little skittish, I guess, uh, with the f- idea that I'm just going to fall in love with someone else and ne- not be in love with her. And the irony is she's been poly her entire adult life. And so... We're so just, she, you, you know, would think she knows. It. You would think she gets it, right? Because she knows that she's been capable and has probably been in love with two people at the same time, right? Or is it that she's in love with, like, is or, like... You said she strictly sees women on the side. So when is her polyamory like she has one man and then other women? Or does she see multiple men? Uh, there's been times when she's seen multiple men. Okay. She went, but uh, as she puts it, and I can only use what she tells me, but she says right now I fulfill all of her male needs, That, but she very much likes to see women. But right. that's not to say that that won't change at some point. Right. So within the time that you're with her, there have been times, though, like you said, just now, because of what happened, that she is a little insecure about your other relationships. And, and the way that you keep it going is just by being completely transparent and very honest with each other, right? Yes, more or less. More or less. <laughs> How long have you been dating her? Uh, we've been seeing each other since June. Oh, okay. So it's year. kind of new. So, nine months. Right. Coming up on nine months. Yeah. Yeah. Because I always wonder, <laughs> like, because, like, listen, like, like, 
you know, nine months isn't that long, right? And already there's like this sort of thing that's coming up where she's a little getting a little insecure. Do you think that it is possible? And I, I listen, I thought when I was going to get on the call with you because of your ad and like all the stuff that you said sexually, this would be like a one of my podcasts where you're just talking about all like your sexual experiences and getting very explicit. But really, this is more a podcast about polyamory, which is very interesting, I think, absolutely, because I think it's something that a lot more people are doing or thinking about or trying, you know, um, and you've been doing it for a while. And I just wonder because it's not like you're with someone for five years and it's totally working and it's fine. It's like you're with someone, you tried it once with someone and it failed. Now you're trying it again and it seems to be working, but now some stuff is coming up. Like, do you think it's possible for it to just be totally okay and nobody's getting jealous of anybody else and it just works out or is it just like that's unrealistic to think that anything is perfect i don't think anything's ever perfect but i think it can be better than more succinct i think relationships uh that is that is the case where it's just like there's no real jealousy or anything like that and Again, we are just in a kind of odd space right now, but I don't foresee it becoming a problem. But you said, let me ask you this. So you said that she's a little bit insecure because her other guy cheated on her. Was that the guy that she was with before you? Yeah, that was her. And she uh, wasn't um, in a polyamorous relationship with him? No, they were were poly the entire time that they had been. So how could she, married. how could he cheat if they were poly? Like, what does that mean when she's like, he cheated on her? Is it that he left her uh, for somebody else? No, he lied to her about it. They, uh, her and uh, him and his partner, who he still sees, who is ironically actually the former partner of her former lover that committed suicide oh my god um, so confusing it's like i need a map and i this is you know nobody could see it we would need like a map of all these people it's so hard to keep track but anyway she got she they were poly but obviously he did something behind her back that she didn't know about sexually speaking i guess right with someone and then she how'd she find out if he didn't tell her uh because she found out Okay, so she found out and then she was like, okay, there's no more honesty in this relationship. So really, that's what it's about. When the honesty goes out the window, you can't really sort of exist in that kind of relationship because then it becomes like a normal relationship where someone's cheating on you and there's this, you're not trusting somebody and it's like a fucking nightmare. Exactly. Right. All relationships, all, all successful relationships, in my opinion, require honesty and transparency. Totally. And I think friendship, like people have to really just like genuinely like each other as people, you know, I think and that's what's missing in a lot of relationships. I know for me, just so you know, I'm a sober person for like 14 years. I don't necessarily believe in staying with like one person for 40 years. I've been commitment phobic for most of my life. But I do see like these really great relationships. I mean, I see mostly regular relationships to be like, for some reason, like horrifying to me. But uh, I do see really good relationships. And to me, what they have in common is that they just really like each other. They're like really good friends. You know what I mean? Like maybe if even if they weren't fucking, they'd still be hanging out. And I think a lot of people, you know, sort of couple up for a lot of other reasons than for the fact that they, you know, just generally like the person. And I think that's what really makes a good relationship. Right? I think it, 
I think it helps, yeah. You know, I think if you marry someone just because the sex is great, I mean, eventually, you know, after a while, if you don't enjoy that person as a person, what the fuck do you have? But those are my friends that I have, and this is they're not in polyamorous couples. These are like the monogamous couples that are with each other that last, like that, you know, went for the distance and still really like each other. They're just, and, you know, I think that they don't have kids. I think kids really changes the relationship. And listen, I have a kid right now, but I think that um, children sometimes change relationships. But anyway, I don't want to get into that, but like, your th- like with her, it just sounds like you know because the trust went out the window. But with you, she's still trying to be polyamorous and do what she yeah. believes in, right? But it, it would make sense that she'd be a little skittish because someone just lied to her. She's got to exactly. like you know trust is earned. So and she just met you. I mean, nine months isn't that long of a time, you know. Exactly, and that's my overall opinion. Like I will continue to show up in a way that is genuine and honest mm-hmm. and and I've told her I'm like if we are going to have this conversation of poly versus mono then we need to have that conversation and she's stated very succinctly that she does not want to close our relationship so until she decides to have that conversation with me I don't consider it what we're doing and I will just continue to show up in a way that is honest and compassionate right and she so. knows and she's okay though she has no sort of jealousy and that it hasn't come up about this other girl that she knows that you see it, i mean there's been like hints of it here and there but for the most part she understands that there are things that i don't get in any other relationship that i do with her we have no, you don't incredibly but, but let me just ask you that like you don't think that in a way that kind of bothers her because she knows she could never give you something. It's kind of like, you know, when you were saying like your self-esteem was tied to like sexuality because you always felt like somebody would leave you if somebody else was like good in bed. So like imagine sort of being with someone where you know that they have somebody else that is like really good at being whatever it is at something else, right, for them that you could never give them. So you, I don't know. I would think that that might make anybody a little bit jealous. No. I'm sure. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't believe that just because people are poly that there's absolutely no jealousy at all times. Right. And then when it just comes up, you just have discussions about it. Exactly. Right. And That's then, been my experience. Right. And what was your longest successful polyamorous relationship? Uh, my most recent ex. Uh, we were together for four and a half years. Right. And that one was okay. That is, was that the one you married? No. No. Okay. No. Right. No. Okay. Um, yeah. Like, I think you're going to, ha- I don't know. I think it's a little, um, I think it's like a little bit of a red flag that you're having issues so early on. But did you have those kind of issues early on with your first relationship, polyamorous relationship? Define what you mean by issues. Well, like where jealousy is coming up with like the basic rules of what the whole thing is about. I don't, I don't follow because I don't feel that that's where, what we're having issues with. Right, right, right. What are you having issues with? Sorry. I don't, I mean, right now is just some, you know, small issues with personal, like, I guess. Uh, personal self like uh, self-esteem issues maybe I don't know uh-huh. no, not even that 
Uh-huh. But like just the idea of like bringing past relationships into our relationship that sometimes happens. Right. But overall, we have, I don't believe I would characterize it as we have issues with, you know, the rules because we've, there's not really, I don't know. I don't believe in rules so much as like guidelines. So, yeah, so that's cool. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I just, you know, I love to do updates with guests and I always check in like six months, a year later to find out what happened. I wonder how this one's going to go down with your primary relationship. It just sounds like there's a little kind of confusion that I would think wouldn't be there. I just think it wouldn't be there. Did you have that kind of stuff with your four-year relationship? What do you mean? You know, you don't want to call it issues, but like the jealousy stuff, did that happen in your four-year relationship as well? Uh, Early on, we had some jealousy issues, yeah. Right. But I guess maybe that, so maybe that is more normal, right? But then when you work through it and that's where the trust comes and maybe that's like what you have to sort of go through to get to the place where you're totally fine and it becomes like a well-oiled machine, right? Maybe that makes more sense then, right? To really just be really like realistic about it. And like you said, as human beings, are they're going to, people are going to have feelings about things. So maybe that's been my experience. What? That's been my experience, but yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. I'm Maybe sure I mean, listen, I don't know about this stuff, so it's just like I'm just learning as you're talking, and I'm just trying to analyze it and see like how it works, how it doesn't. At first, I was thinking, oh, like warning signs, like I don't think this relationship's gonna last because there's already stuff. But you know, when you say about how it sort of happened in the past, I could also look at it like, no, it actually makes sense that in the beginning of a relationship, before you know that, how else do you really learn to trust somebody? And sometimes things come up, but if you talk through it and everything, like that's sort of the key to getting to the place where you could really be in, especially that kind of relationship, right? So maybe it's actually a good sign that you're, it's coming up and you could work through it. And once you make it through, then you could be, you know, in a very successful relationship and those things maybe won't come out, come up. Because trust is earned, right? I mean, no one just trusts somebody. Like you have to really know them, right? Especially after what happened to her. It might take her a little bit. It just makes sense. So no red flags, no issues. I think I said that. (laughs) Anyway, well, that yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope. You know, you go it. And I mean, the one thing I got out of my previous relationship. So the irony is like, so we were both seeing. So both her primary partner that my ex is still seeing is the guy was one of the one other guy she was seeing when we we split. Um, obviously, I was seeing my primary partner now yeah. at that time as well. Um, when we split. It had to do with things that were coming up via our relationship. We weren't, but um, part of it was we were not, I don't know. I, I've had a lot of introspection in the last, you know, six months or whatever that since we split and, you know, some of it came out of the fact that we had not been very sexually active with each other for a while um, here and there. Uh, a lot of life had changed. And what my experience has been is, you know, relationships continue to grow and sometimes we grow apart. Um, and, and that that's is just not necessarily, yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a life thing, right? Well, exactly. And so my experience out of that has been sometimes it's been my first ever relationship that has ended mer- with nothing being 
something that somebody did that was wrong. And it took me a long time to get to that point where I didn't personalize like responsibility uh-huh. or try to put put it on her. Right. It was we just stopped working. And I don't think and I think that that generally is the experience for me that um, is where people view relationships maybe in a in a light. You know, um, I'm a big I believer in the Dan Savage philosophy that, you know, if you're really only gauging a successful relationship by dying, one of you dying, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's ridiculous. No, I totally agree. Um, I say that all the time. Like people think divorce or endings of relationship is so bad. But I mean, that's just normal to think that you're going to like be on the same path in the same page with one person and walk the same, you know, for so many years. Like it's just not the way that it goes sometimes. Some people have that, but a lot of people don't. And when it sort of ends and people go their separate ways, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just a part of life and that's the way that it goes and it's okay, you know? Um, so I'm going to, let's wrap up this podcast. My podcast is normally about an hour long, but before we end it, I just want to find out um, whether your ad from Craigslist, I mean, I emailed you when you're on my show, but like, have you had any other hits from that ad or do you have any kind of like, you know, hookups that you're going to do or have you hooked up with anybody because of that ad that you placed? Not currently. Um, no, it's actually funny. There's a girl that I've, we've been like satellites with each other for a little bit in uh-huh. the sense of she, she and I uh, matched on a dating site and we were talking for a little while and we were originally going to hook up and her ex play partner is one of my most recent ex-girlfriend partners. And so she got like super weird about it because she still has feelings for the dude and my ex was still seeing him at the time. So um, I can't even, I have to tell you, like, do you know (laughs) how many, cause I like, do you know how many times, like you were so intertwined with people, like you need to look outside of your state, I think, or like outside of your city, because like everybody, you know, knows somebody and is an ex. It's like so confusing and hilarious at the same time. I mean, do you notice that? No, tell me about it. It, it's, it, it makes my life very, I don't want to say rough because rough life, but no, it definitely, it adds some interesting characteristics to it. But anyways, she is in a current situation with a guy that she sees that's very vanilla and she's, she's into some more hard edge kind of stuff. And so I guess she was cruising Craigslist and she saw it, but so she decided to send me a message to let me know she saw me. But beyond that, not currently. Oh, so you feel though like maybe because she saw that and now she knows and her guy's so vanilla, like maybe she'll be like hit you up. Well, maybe uh, right. potentially just because the guy she was seeing over the summer when we started talking again, cause we hadn't talked in almost a year probably. Mm-hmm. And, um, she had reached out to me because she saw my, uh, I don't even remember why, but we had started talking over the summer and it was right around 
me and my exes split and she, we had obviously talked about that kind of play before. And the guy she was seeing at the time was said he was open to it. So she was reaching out to me to see if I'd be interested mm-hmm. in being her bull. And so we talked about it and then she had a, a she had somebody closer who passed. And so it we kind of, yeah. And so as those things tend to do. So, uh, yeah, you yeah, have, if you, but, that. yeah, but if you get people like outside and just do virtual stuff, I don't know. But, you know, I think it's like I have a lot of people on my show who advertise on Craigslist and I think it's hard sometimes to meet like real women that are really into stuff. I mean, it's a lot easier if you're looking for gay action because there's a lot of guys on Craigslist. <laughs> you know, I think what I hear across yeah. the board is oh, yeah, typically no. it's much harder to, you know, hook up with, you know, real females, but you know, you've done well and because you're in that community and everyone's so polyamorous, which means everyone could have like five people, like, you know, the odds that you will always be able to find people are pretty good. And you could just stay in your town and hook up all the time. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know even why you need that ad, but I guess it just adds another layer. But anyway, um, thanks for calling into my show. Good luck with your ad. I'd love to hear what's going on with you and your girlfriend like six months or now or at the end of the year. I always do a, a, a where are they now thing. So we'll check back in with you. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, thank you. Good luck with everything. Bye. Bye. Do you have a story, lifestyle, or situation you can't talk about to anyone, to anyone? Or do you just want to let your freak flag fly and be on the show? Well, Strictly Anonymous wants to hear from you. Send us an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com with your story and your anonymous name. And remember, everything is Strictly Anonymous. Strictly Anonymous.